Uh, we are in the middle of a series. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible. And we are in the middle of a series. Uh, we're going through The Chosen. Three parts to participate in this series. Number one is to watch uh, the episode as we go through it. So every week, watch one of the, uh, one of the episodes. We're in series two. So we're, this past week, uh, you are supposed to watch the fourth episode. I just want to take a poll. How many watched the episode this week? Raise your hand high. Well, not bad. How many didn't watch it? Raise your hand. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> we got a boo. No. So watching, watching the video. The second thing is to do the soaps. So it's just reading the scriptures that are in the study guide and to go through those and to journal about it. And there's life applications in there. And then the last thing is to jump into a group and to share what's going on in your life and, and how that... Uh, that episode has impacted your life. And God does amazing things in, in prayer when you're plugged into a group, the Bible says, or two or more are gathered and they agree on anything that it will be given. And we have seen so many amazing answers to prayer uh, just from the beginning of this year till now. Just God is moving in amazing ways. And so if you, if you have a prayer and you've been praying it and you haven't seen the answers, it might just be a small group away. And so we have small groups after church, and we also have them throughout the week. You can uh, look in your bulletins for that. Um, I'm going to read this episode of The Chosen focused on the healing of the man by the pool of Bethesda. And so I'm just going to read the scripture. It's not in your notes, but this is from John chapter 5. And it says, after, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porches. Can we throw the picture of, the, of that up? We went to Israel. We actually visited this site. Um, it's a real place, as is all the places in Scripture. Bethsaida, uh, in Hebrew, it means the house of mercy. And so, uh, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the move of water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well uh, of whatever disease that they had. When we went to Israel and our, our guide, uh, Arie, he was one of the first Messianic Jews, and he explained to us this scripture. Because when you read it in the King James, it says that an angel actually went down and stirred the waters. And so you could come to believe that that's what actually happened, and people would take people to the pool when that happened. But he said, as he was teaching us, and we went to the pool of Bethsaida, he said... That's not what actually happened, but people were taught that an angel went down to stir the waters. And, then, and so all around this place, there was mats where the lame and the, the helpless would actually purchase plots of land. It was a business where people would purchase plots of, of uh, right next to like a, the size of a tatami mat or something. And then people would, uh, because they paid for it, they would be able to stay there and they would hope that they would be close to the water when, when it came. And so he said it was a business that was holding false hope to people. And when Jesus came, it burdened his heart, and he, 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 healed, uh, he actually healed a person that was there for a really long time. So, um, so that's the pool of Bethesda. There's no water in it, but it was uh, filled to a higher water level back then. Um, it says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he was uh, already 
and that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus says, rise up, take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Today we're talking about Jesus, our healer, and how he's not just the healer of the past, but he's in our lives currently to work miracles and to make himself known, not just to us, but to the people around us. Can we open in prayer? God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you that you have the gift of faith that you want to give us. You said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, we pray that as the word is shared this morning, that you would impart into our hearts faith to believe. Even as Pastor Zach was sharing this morning, areas that have died, areas that are areas of struggle, areas of, of brokenness, of, of broken hearts, of broken relationships. God, we give these to you this morning, knowing that you are our healer and that you can do the impossible. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, we're going we're gonna to have a, a couple people share, uh, both mothers and both uh, people that are, uh, both women that are a part of our intercessory team of things that God has done in their lives. Um, one, just in the past couple months, um, her husband had a, a congestive heart failure, uh, almost passed away, and through the prayers of the church, uh, he is, he is fine today. It was a miracle, and so we're going to have her share. Um, I'm going to go through just some questions that surround sickness and disease, um, especially after we've gone through the season of COVID and see, saw some people healed and others not, and why did this all happen? There's a lot of questions that we might have even in the backs of our minds, although we might not say it uh, out loud. But some of the questions are, why does sickness and disease even exist? Um, some know the scripture that uh, Jesus once said that it's not because of this person's sin or this person's sin, but that God would be glorified. And so some people take that scripture and they say, does God make people sick just so that he can be glorified? Is God the one behind sickness? Um, so is God responsible for sickness and death? Um, and if he does, he, does he still heal today? One of the college students uh, is a part of a ministry, and he was telling me, do we believe in healing? Do we believe that God can still heal today the way that he healed before? And I was like, yeah, of course. He goes, not all churches believe that. And I said, yeah, not all churches do, but, but we do because we see it a lot. And he's like, yeah, but where in the Bible does it say that? And so I, we, we had a couple of hours of just going through scripture on healing. Um, but if God does heal, how does he heal? Does he still heal today? And then the, the big question, why does God heal some and not heal others? How many of you have ever thought that? Why does God heal only one? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a big question I think a lot of people have. Like, why does God heal that person but not heal that person? Is it because that person has more sin and that person's more holy? Is it because God likes that person better and doesn't like that person? But we have to look through life through his lens. And so we're going to talk about those things today. So number one, why does God, uh, why does sickness and death exist? Sickness and death exist because of two reasons. Sin that's individual and sin that is corporate. Let's read the scripture together. This is Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread upon all men because all have sinned. Romans 5.12. And so sometimes 
the sickness or the different disease that we face is not because we sin personally, even though things happen because of individual sin, but there is a collective and corporate fall of humanity that we are all under a curse because of corporately one man, Adam, sinned. We all come under that fallen humanity. And so every sickness, every disease is a product not of God, but of uh, the fallen nature of man. Um, number two, the other reason is because we have an enemy. Uh, John 10.10, let's read this together. One, two, three. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So God is not the cause of sickness and death. God has come to give us life and life abundantly. Um, is God responsible for sickness and death? This is uh, number two. Is God responsible for sickness and death? Just because God can turn a tragedy into a testimony doesn't mean that he created the tragedy, right? Just because God can take something bad and use it for good doesn't mean that he orchestrated the bad. Uh, James 1.16 says it this way, Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That means that God is good. There is nothing that is not good about God, and he will never not be good. So he will never give you a curse. He will never give you a sickness. He will never give you pain. But he can turn those sicknesses and pains into blessing. Uh, I'm going to ask Auntie Kathy to come. Could you guys give Auntie Kathy a hand? Um, can you turn on this mic up here? And maybe turn the reverb off. Um, so Auntie Kathy, she has been a part of our church since I was in diapers. And uh, I would always go to her church and eat ice from the machine. That's like my best memory of her house. And I, re I, remember, I'm, I, I remember one time that I told her son that all of his Star Wars toys were satanic. <laughs> and so he took them out and he... He destroyed all of them, and, th and then she came out and yelled at me because they spent a lot of money on those Star Wars toys. Anyway. Um, I have her, a whole bunch of memories, too. Yeah, we won't go into those <laughs> today. Uh, but, but she recently had, um, her husband went into uh, cardiac um, congestive heart failure, um, and they didn't know that that's what was going on. And uh, it lasted about two weeks, uh, about a little bit more than two weeks' time, but by the time that they recognized it, it was already in such a bad place that he had to go into ICU three different times. Uh, but during that time, she, uh, she uh, notified the prayer team and everyone was praying. Uh, what are some of the things that happened during that time that, uh, that showed you that God was there and how he turned that situation from uh, a tragedy into a testimony? You know, there's so many things along the way that um, are amazing. And just the fact that when I realized that when Bob was going through this, that we there was a group of us working to help him and help his health. And we, in through prayer, we through, you know, the best of what we knew, we're going in one direction. And um, it was not the direction he needed. 
And so when everything started crashing, I felt so guilty and so bad that, oh my gosh, why didn't we read the signs correctly? And so having to give that up to God um, and to realize that God was still over all of this. And um, the, the prayer warriors, once, um, once my, heart, my husband, and there were so many steps leading up to it, that we went to urgent care, they didn't ID it. Um, it was you know, the following night that he started crashing and we didn't realize it. I went to bed, he came and got me and said, I think you better drive me to the hospital. By the time I got changed and out there, he said, call 911. We got 911 there, and they spent a long time in our driveway just trying to get him stable enough that they could pull, pull away to the hospital. Once at the hospital, it, it took them, I would say, a good two to three hours to get him stable enough so I could go back because it took me a while to get there, and I was in the waiting room for an hour and a half or more. And once I went back, they were still working furiously on him. And at that point was when we realized, we were told by a, the attending physician that, lady, your husband's in heart failure. And I got this sense of condemnation, like, what's wrong with you that you didn't know this, you know? And, and just having that whole sense of guilt. And yet all this time, people have been praying. People have been praying that God would show us and that this whole thing. And when this happened, it was like 11, 11, I think 11 at night. And it's like, there's no way I was going to call and wake people up and tell them to pray. And it's like, okay, God, let's go with this. But he was there all the time. He, he gave a peace. He gave a sense, even a detachment to watch and see what was going on. But to know he was there in the midst of it. We didn't there know. A, yeah. There was a, a point where... Uh, they couldn't do anything for him here, and so he was medevaced to Oahu. And um, it, I interviewed, I think on Easter sun, uh, Sunday morning, one of the guys that's in my small group, and he is a helicopter pilot uh, for the island. And um, so he calls me, and I forgot what time it was when he called me, but he's, he's the helicopter pilot, the only one on the island. And he said, hey, John, do you know Bob Mundy? And I was like, yeah, I do know Bob Mundy. He goes, I'm flying him right now to Oahu and notify the prayer chain that he is in need for prayer. And I was like, wow, how did you know that? And he said, well, he's, he's well enough to talk. And if you know Bob Mundy, he, he would have to, to be dead to not talk. <laughs> 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 but, so the prayer team got notified, and, and uh, he made it to Oahu. And actually, the prayer team had already been engaged before that because as soon as um, I could, I let the prayer chain know that we were in emergency, and um, they had just admitted him. Um, he was in he was in emergency for most of the night, and then they admitted him to the hospital the next morning. And um, it was incredible. From that moment, the cardiologist that was pulled in, found, I found out that he was somebody that we knew somebody that we had met before and had helped others that we knew. Um, we had a real confidence in him. He started, had st already started dialoguing with the team in Moanalua on Oahu because they knew that they could not do what he needed here. And um, so that was already in process. They were waiting for a bed to open up and they needed somebody standing by ready to take him as soon as that bed opened up in Moanalua for him. 
Um, and we knew it was bad. We just didn't realize quite, I think, how bad it was. It's like, you know, your brain's in this overload and you don't quite register things um, until later. But um, to find out, Pastor John texts me and say, hey, you know, the helicopter pilot is Mike, was Michael. And it was like, oh my gosh, I know who Michael is. And it was just so amazing that all along the way, there were things put into the to the whole system or the whole event that let us know that God knows, God knows He's there, He's working things out. And so, by the end of the two weeks' time, he went into ICU several times, but came out. And then you shared with me last night that um, two Thursdays later, he walked across the parking lot, and he'd been in the ICU several times, almost died several times, and walked into the senior meeting. So I think he, he almost died that one time. But he, they had to get him well enough so they could do a procedure on them, him. And um, he was in ICU once here, twice um, over on Oahu um, in his recuperation. He, um, shoot, I lost my thought. So God, if it's important, bring it back. But, um, um, the fact that, um, that the right cardiologist, the right doctor in the emergency, the right doctor all along the way, even somebody on Oahu on staff said, you know, don't regret the way this happened because the timing was so important that everybody you needed for this was put in place at the right time. And um, um, you would ask something sure. else. Yeah, parting, parting shots or parting words. Um, parting words. Um, you're telling me that through the whole thing, the main thing was that God was there. Yeah. You know, we saw a chosen episode a couple of weeks ago, and it was, I see you. And um, just that whole sense that the Lord sees us. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, God knows God sees. So don't think for any moment in time that you are alone in anything. He's right there. And he's been with us each step of the way from the time we but from the time they did the procedure on a Friday. It took two over two weeks to get him ready for that procedure. From the time they did that procedure on Friday, on Sunday. We were discharged from the hospital. On Tuesday, we flew home. On Thursday, he walked across the street with no problem to seniors' meeting and enjoyed a meal and time with the seniors. Awesome. Thank you very much for sharing. Is God responsible for sickness and death? You know, I want to just throw something up, because sometimes people, and I've heard it in Christian circles, say, no, that's not important. Just because uh, somebody didn't miraculously get healed, that wasn't really God. That was medical and stuff. And I feel like when I have a headache, I take Advil. Whatever is there and whatever is provided for us, there is a, there, I look at it as blessings from the Lord. And 
And God has provided us with doctors, and he's provided us with medication and different things that, that he has given to us to help us. Um, but this is a, a, a cool cartoon. You probably saw this before. Um, but this is a guy, and he's stranded on his rooftop, and he's, like, uh, praying that God will save him. And the guy in the boat says, bro, get in the boat. No, bro, God will save me. And then a guy in a helicopter passes it. Bro, get in. No, bro, God will save me. And then the next one is, he's in heaven. And he's like, God, why didn't you save me? And he says, for goodness sake, I sent you the boat and helicopter. <laughs> a lot of times, God will provide the answer to our prayers through, through other things. Um, is God responsible for sickness and death? No, he's not. Uh, how does God heal, and does he still, still heal today? Um, one thing is, with anointing oil, the scripture talks about uh, anointing with oil and with the laying on of hands. It's not there in your notes, but laying on of, laying on of hands. Let's read this uh, scripture together. One, two, three. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I just want to say this one point, that a lot of us think that just because someone's not saved or they're in our workplace or whatever and something bad is happening to them, that they need to change their ways before God is going to meet them. That is not true. In the Old Testament, everything in, in, uh, that surrounded the Jewish culture, their ceremonial laws, was that if they were unclean because they were sick or because they had leprosy or because uh, it was the woman's time of the month or if they had or any different kinds of things, they couldn't come into something that was clean. The unclean had power over the clean in the Old Testament. When Jesus came, do you notice all the miracles that he did? He healed a woman who had an issue of blood, a menstruating woman, and he, she touched his garment and through touching him, it didn't make him unclean, it cleaned her. They weren't supposed to touch dead things, dead people. But Jesus made a point to go over to the thing that was unclean, the dead, and to touch the dead. And what happened? Did Jesus become unclean? No. When he touched the dead, the dead raised. Leprosy was also ceremonially unclean. You're not supposed to touch that. But when Jesus came, he made a point to go to the leper and it was recorded in scripture that the lepers were healed. Through this, Jesus was saying, now the clean has power over the unclean. And so if there's people that are unclean, people that are sinning, we all sin. But if you think there's a better sinner than you, and that they're not worthy to be healed, know that God can touch them, the better sinner than you, and he can not just heal them, but it says that if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Isn't that awesome? The clean has power over the unclean. Um, we were, we're going to watch a clip of The Chosen, and this is the, the scene of uh, Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethsaida. And then we're going to listen to Kathy. So... Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. 
Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up. Pick up your mat. And walk. to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. That's good cinematography. But how many know God still does that today. Um, Kathy, could you, oh, there you are. Could you come up? Kathy is a marketplace minister. Uh, She is an amazing intercessor. God has given her uh, an anointing to reach people. She was reaching more people than our church by giving Bibles out to all of her hundreds of customers as she was uh, uh, in her VIP accounting and then God blessed her by uh, her being able to exit and sell to H&R Block for a good amount of chunk of change. And, and she's still doing marketplace ministry from her home. She is also, she's continuing to do accounting, but God has not just blessed her in the area of finance. He's also given her uh, ability to intercede and to see things spiritually. Uh, what I didn't know until recently was that uh, she experienced a miracle very, very similar to what we saw there. And that must have touched you watching that. Made her cry. <laughs> so, um, 
as we were talking, you were getting emotional, talking about uh, and recollecting. You said that uh, that that actually this event in your life um, came up in conversation after I don't know 50 years of of, of before since it happened. Um, would you want to share with the congregation uh, how your life was similar to what? Uh, when I was uh, 24, um, I injured my back and uh, I had uh, two ruptured discs and a deteriorated vertebrae. And um, I was in excruciating pain and couldn't walk. And uh, of course, we believed in uh, you know natural healing and so I went to a chiropractor and it didn't work. And uh, I spent uh, a month in the hospital. Do you want me to go through the whole thing? So you're, you're a month in the hospital, bedridden, but you're bedridden for how long? Because that's significant. Uh, yeah, after the surgery, which didn't work, and it was, um, was bad. But um, I, was in, I was in bed and in pain for over five years, going on six years not even able to walk a lot of times. Um, couldn't get out of bed many, many times for many years. And um, when I saw this, I kind of relived what I went through. I could feel that pain. And I could feel his helplessness and hopelessness because even though I was a Christian, I was a baby Christian, I still felt that for him because I knew I felt that at that time. And it was so bad that uh, the doctors were planning your future for you and they were planning even your financial future. What were some of the things that they put you on and recommended? Well, they, they had me on various different <clears throat> pain medications and muscle relaxers and stuff because when they removed the discs and the vertebrae, they took a bone from my hip and they fused it into my back. And um, so I couldn't really do anything. And the pain was terrible. They said I'd never be able to work. I'd never be able to really do anything. And um, so the doctor said we should, I was on social security, social security disability at 24 years old. That's unheard of. Particularly back then, they would just rather let you suffer. But. And what was your family life like during that time? Like you were telling me about <laughs> your kids and how they provided support for you. I had young children. <laughs> um, even at 24, I already had three kids. I had three boys. And my youngest one, Jeff, he was like four years old when this happened. And uh, when he went, had to go to kindergarten, he would cry because he didn't want to leave me. My husband was so good that he packed us a bag lunch every day, and he put it in the refrigerator where Jeff could reach it when he got home. And when he came in, he'd say, Mommy, I'm home. He'd get the, the lunch out of the refrigerator, and he'd come running into bed, and he'd get him, bring the little TV trays, and we'd, sit, we'd lay in bed and eat and watch cartoons and talk and... And that was my life. And when my other two children came home from school, they would come and get in bed, in the bed, and we would all be in there. So this was going on for about five years. And at the end of five years, what was the turning point? What was the, how did that season of your life come to an end? 
I won't tell you that I didn't feel like I wanted to give up, but God gave me a beautiful, wonderful husband and three young boys in my life, which gave me hope and kept me encouraged that I, we're going to get through this somehow. And um, I was part of a, a church, and I was part of a prayer team, and um, they came to visit me. And uh, I managed to get out of bed and was on the floor, just kind of like this, trying to pray. And one of the ladies just laid her hand on my back. And um, I felt like lightning went through me. It was just a, a power that filled my body. And believe it or not, it just shot me straight up on my feet. And did you see him dance? Yeah. I did that. I danced. And uh, it was amazing. I just, I couldn't understand if it was for real. And so our, that happened in the morning, about 11.30 in the morning. And my and husband came home at 4, and I was still dancing. <laughs> I couldn't stop. And what was the reaction of the people that prayed for you? <laughs> yeah, they were... They were as shocked as I was. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you pray. You got to be ready. You got to be ready to, to get the prayer. Yeah. And so after you were healed and you could walk and run and dance, you were dancing for hours. <laughs> well, what, you went to the doctor. Yes. Well, after my husband got out of shock, and because he, he couldn't figure out what happened either, I was trying to explain to him. And... Uh, so a few weeks passed, and I was walking, and I was bending, and I was so excited, and I wanted to get off of Social Security because I knew I didn't belong on getting that money because I, I could work. I knew I could work. And so um, I told my husband I was going to call and tell the doctor I wanted to, you know, tell them I wanted to get off and that I was well. So the doctor had my husband bring me in, and he thought I had gone, you know, that the meds had all got to me, and I was all, you know, crazy. And um, when I walked in his office, he just stood there. He couldn't even move or say anything to me. And I just stood there, and he said, okay, walk. So I walked. He said, bend. So I bent. He said, stand up. I stand up. Sit down. I sit down. And he looked at me, and he, put me, he got me on the table, and he stood in, right in front of me, and he said, what happened? What happened? This is impossible. And I said, God healed me. And he just looked at me. He couldn't. He thought surely there was something else that happened. And he said, well, how? And I said, I don't know. All I, I don't know how he does it. But my church is praying for me, and God healed me, and I'm well. So he got me off the table. He made me walk again and 
well, man, I said, I'm telling you, I'm okay. And he said, this is a miracle. And uh, he documented it in the medical charts. And uh, he said, okay, I don't expect I'll ever see you again. I said, oh, no, you won't. <laughs> Amen. Um, you know, one of the, we don't know why God heals some and doesn't heal others. Um, but one of, the, and this goes with the last point. He, God heals us to give us a glimpse into heaven. The scripture says that he's going to take us to a place where there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no sorrow. And he doesn't heal us in this life because he's going to make, if that was the case, he'd heal everybody and then this would be heaven. But he wants to build faith in our hearts to know that he has the power of eternal life. And all of the healings that you see are glimpses of what his power is and what it will be like when we get to heaven. Amen? Amen. One of the things, and we're going to close with this, is um, the Bible says, as you freely receive, you can freely give. And, uh, and she has been praying for people uh, to be healed, and, um, and God has given her this ministry. So if you want to have a touch from the Lord and you want to have healing, if there's something in your body that needs, and we're not going to pray for every single person, but if you would stand up, um, and it can be an I want prayer, because I was playing my dad tennis this past week, and he did a drop shot on me. The 78-year-old over there did a drop shot on me. I went to go get it, and I pulled my calf muscle, so I'm going to be, I'm standing receiving prayer for healing. So if you want to stand uh, for healing of, of whatever you need healing for, you can stand now, and we're going to have Auntie Kathy uh, pray for us. If uh, The scripture says the laying on of hands and, and, uh, oil, and the anointing of oil, but we're not going to uh, do the anointing of oil. But if you want healing this morning, um, if, the, if there's someone standing next to you, just go ahead and lay your hand on them, um, and we're going to pray this morning that God would, his healing power that touched Auntie Kathy, took her out of a bedridden state, that that same power would manifest in your, your body. And it can be instant, or it can take some time. Um, God heals in all different ways. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks and praise because you are a God that loves us, unfailing love for all eternity. And Lord, you see every need. You see every person in this household, Lord. Your word says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And I believe that there are others in this house today that feel like it's never going to happen for them. But today, Lord, we just declare that you are a God that heals. You are our healer. You shed your blood and gave your body on the cross, Lord, for our healing today. And so, Lord, today, we pray and ask you, God, for that healing, for that healing in the body, for the knees that are hurting, the backs that are hurting, shoulders, legs, head. Some, I feel some in here are struggling with uh, severe headaches all the time. God, I pray that you will touch them. Lord, for those, Lord, that are having trouble that in their joints, 
Father, that you would bless them and heal them, Lord. You are no respecter of person, and there's nothing too great or too small that you are not concerned for them, Lord. And by that same power that raised me up off of my knees and onto my feet, I pray that, Lord, for each and every person in the house today. May your healing power flow through them. And, Father, let your will be done in each one of our lives. We forget oftentimes that Jesus does the will of the Father. And so, Father, let it be your will that our Savior, who shed his blood and died on that cross for us, will bring healing to each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. We just, just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus. I thank you for my healing. I receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, I declare that by your stripes that I was healed. So I receive my healing and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, use me as a blessing to those around me in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give God a hand? Thank you, Auntie Kathy. If you're a mother here today, we thank you so much for your sacrifice and your love. All of us are who we are because of what you've done, uh, sacrificing for your kids and for your families. We have a gift for you outside, so as you're going out, there is a, a what is it, Andrea? A pop, a cake, a cake pop. For all the women, for all the women, and, and Andrea said that if she sees any men with cake pops, that they're going to be in trouble. So God bless you. Have a great week.